Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. I have two parts for you today. In part one, I'll cover the latest news, including Chucky Lozano's comments after the Canada-Mexico match on Tuesday. And in part two, I'll review our latest Feminile match against Sassuolo and some pretty significant changes that were made after that match. So let's start with the news. The big story on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, depending on where you live, was Chucky Lozano's comments after Mexico's 2-1 loss to Canada in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. By the way, with Jamaica tying the USA, my home country of Canada moved to the top of the table with only six matches remaining. But anyway, after the match, Lozano gave a long interview to David Medrano of TV Azteca Deportes, where he talked about the injury he suffered against Trinidad and Tobago and how it was a miracle that he didn't lose his eye or even his life. That's all fine. But then he made a comment that sent social media and regular media into a frenzy. Let me read the entire quote first and then we'll focus on the one line that everyone was talking about. He was asked about his career and his response was, I think I play in a very competitive club with very good teammates. I have grown a lot due to this. The truth is, I would love to play at a bigger club. I consider myself a very competitive player with clear goals. I feel I'm at a good level and I would like to take this new step. However, let's take one step at a time. Now I must improve as much as possible, both personally and as a player. Then I hope that, God willing, it can happen. Now, my interpretation of that quote is that Chucky has aspirations of playing for a bigger club than Napoli, but he knows he has work to do to get there. I think that's a perfectly normal thing for a professional athlete to want. As he said, they're ultra competitive. And while Napoli is a good club to play for, it's not a club that is competing regularly to win the Scudetto. And it's definitely not a club that is competing regularly to win the Champions League. Players like Marek Hamsik, Lorenzo Insigne, Dries Mertens, Kalidou Koulibaly, they are rare. At their peak, they easily could have left to join quote-unquote bigger clubs but instead they chose to stay. 
On the other hand, we've seen players like Edinson Cavani, Ezekiel Lavezzi, and Gonzalo Higuain leave for PSG and Juventus, probably for the same reason, and let's be honest, they also left for bigger paychecks. Now, I get it, they also did a lot more for Napoli before they left the club, certainly compared to Lozano. The issue here is that Lozano said publicly what most players keep to themselves. Look at Andrea Petagna, for example. I'm sure he too aspires for bigger things, or at least more playing time, but in a recent interview, he said he's happy he chose to stay at Napoli and there was no drama. The same goes for Dries Mertens. During this international break, he was asked about his future and he said he wants to stay at Napoli as long as possible, and if the club no longer wants him, then he'll decide what to do. You have to know that when you make a comment like Lozano did, the media and the fans are going to jump all over it, especially considering he has not lived up to the 40 million euro price tag. For the first half of his first season, he was used out of position by Ancelotti, who tried to play him as a second striker. Then we had the mutiny before Gattuso took over. Gattuso was reportedly shocked to learn that Lozano didn't speak a word of Italian. There was also the story that Gattuso kicked him out of training for not trying hard enough. But what didn't kill him seemed to make him stronger. The first half of last season was easily Lozano's best stretch with Napoli. He scored 9 goals and assisted 3 more in the first half of the season. Of course, Osimhen missed a lot of time last season with his shoulder injury, so that allowed Lozano to become more of a focal point. Then Lozano injured his hamstring playing against Juventus. I have no doubt that his injury was only made worse by Gattuso forcing him to stay out on the pitch for that match. And since then, he split time with Matteo Politano. So I think people were right to point out that Lozano shouldn't be talking about playing for a bigger club when he hasn't been able to earn a starting role at this club. A lot of people were suggesting online that this was just an emotional reaction after a tough loss in World Cup qualifying. I'm not so sure about that. I watched the interview, and even though I don't speak Spanish, he didn't seem terribly upset. I think he just said something without thinking too much about it, and then backtracked a little bit after he realized what he said. It's also not the first time that Lozano's talked about moving on from Napoli. The frustrating thing for me is that this is now the second dramatic incident involving our players in as many weeks. Prior to these comments, we had the comments from Lorenzo Insigne's agent, Vincenzo Pizzacana, saying that De Laurentiis made an offer to renew Insigne at a salary that was nearly half of what he makes today. Now, that situation was a bit different because it was the agent, not the player who made the comments, but either Insigne was aware that Pizzacana would make these comments live on radio, in which case it's no different than Lozano making the comments, or Pizzacana just went rogue, in which case Insigne needs to set him straight. If Pizzacana makes similar comments live on radio again, then we know for sure that Insigne has given him the green light to do so. Now, Chucky did take to Instagram to address this situation, where he said his words can be taken out of context or given a different interpretation. He said it's not his intention to take back what he said and that he'd rather let the facts speak for themselves. He then went on to list all of the connections he has to Napoli. His kids are growing up there, his wife's friends are from there, and so on. He closed by saying that so long as he plays for Napoli, which he hopes is for a long time, he will defend the colors to the extreme. Now, I think it's great that he released this statement, and relatively quickly too, hopefully that puts this story to rest, but as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think if he was capable of making this statement after all the public backlash, why could he have not made a similar statement in the original interview? Because if he did the reaction would have been the exact opposite. He would have been revered by Napolitani people and by Napoli fans. 
Instead, we now have two instances where we appear to have players putting themselves ahead of the club, which is the last thing you need when you're sitting at the top of the table. It's hard enough to compete for a Scudetto even without the drama, let alone with the drama. So hopefully people will accept this statement and we can just move on because even though most people are shouting for Lozano to be sold now, we're still better with him on the team than without him. Even if he's just playing in the Europa League, that's allowing Politano to stay fresh for Serie A, and he also gives us a different look off the bench. Now, I suppose Unas can do the same thing, but in all likelihood, Unas will be with Algeria in January for the Africa Cup of Nations, so we'll still need a backup for Politano in January. Hopefully, Lozano can play well enough that come June, we can actually sell him to one of these bigger clubs and recoup some of our investment. In other news, Napoli's chief international development officer Serena Salvione will be leaving the club to join Roma as their new commercial director. Salvione joined Napoli in 2016 after spending seven years at Juventus, first as their partnership marketing manager and then as their senior partnership account manager. Prior to Juventus, she worked as the senior manager of global marketing partnerships for the NBA and she worked as a relationship marketing manager for MasterCard. Salvione is largely credited for Napoli's recent partnership agreements with Konami, Amazon, and Socios, so hopefully we can backfill that position with someone that's equally qualified. Moving on, players have been slowly returning from international duty. Elmas, Rachmani, Lobotka, and Koulibaly were the first to return, followed by Medet, Di Lorenzo, Insigne, and Zielinski. Osiman's expected to return on Thursday, but I haven't seen any reports on when Angisa, Unas, Ospina, and Lozano will get back. Speaking of Angisa, there was a great video of his Cameroonian teammates singing him happy birthday after Cameroon beat Ivory Coast to qualify for the third and final round of World Cup qualifying. It was actually a great international break for our players. We had 14 players representing 12 different countries. Collectively, they made 24 appearances and played 1,844 minutes. Unfortunately, Alex Meret was the only player who didn't feature. I wasn't too happy that Koulibaly played the full 90 minutes in both of Senegal's matches, even though these matches were just a formality for Senegal. We scored 7 goals, led by Osimhen and Elmas, who scored 2 each. Di Lorenzo, Angisa, and Rachmani scored the other 3. We added 5 assists, again led by Elmas with 2. He was the star of this international break, leading North Macedonia to a 2nd place finish in UEFA Group J, so Macedonia will play in the UEFA playoff round. Lobotka, Zielinski, and Insignia added the other assists. Both Poland and Italy will play in the UEFA playoff as well. Our Italians were probably the most disappointing players during this international break. And finally, David Ospina picked up yet another clean sheet in a 0-0 draw to Paraguay. The last story I want to cover is the Tribuna Young Project. The club announced on Monday that youth clubs registered with the Fijici will be able to purchase tickets to matches in the Distinti Inferiori at a discounted rate of €3 per person. The clubs will be permitted to purchase up to 50 tickets, of which 6 must be adults, but even the adults will pay the discounted rate. I think this is a great initiative to get little footballers into the stadium to watch their heroes play, and who knows, maybe one day they will be on the field themselves. That will do for part one. In part two, we'll review our latest Feminile match. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. Next, let's review our Feminile match against Sassuolo on Saturday, the 13th of November. Sassuolo came into this match sitting second in the table, only three points behind league leaders Juventus. 
Their only loss so far this season came at the hands of Roma, who are currently 4th in the table. That loss could well have handed Juventus the title because they've continued their perfect record, which is nearly at two full seasons now. Sassuolo responded well, beating Pomigliano 4-2 in the previous round. Sofia Cantore scored her 6th goal of the season in that match, so only Milan's Valentina Giacinti has scored more goals in the league than Cantore with 7 goals. So Sassuolo were looking to start their second winning streak of the season. Meanwhile, Napoli were coming off of two very dramatic and draining weeks of football. First, we lost 1-0 to Sampdoria on a goal in the 98th minute. We had three players sent off in that match, two during the match and one after the match. And then our general manager, Nicola Crisano, resigned, though we know he was in fact dismissed. Then we beat Lazio 4-3 in a wild back-and-forth affair, this time with Napoli scoring the late winner in stoppage time. So we came into this match on a high note, and we were boosted by the return of Paolo Di Marino and Marie Awona, who had served their suspensions during the Lazio match. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Sassuolo lined up in a 4-3-3 with Didi Lemmy in goal. Benedetta Orzi and Tamar Dongu started at centre-back. Davina Fildiens started at left-back and Alice Parisi started at right-back. Manamiashi started in the centre of the midfield with Camila Dubkova to her left and Benedetta Brignoli to her right. Lana Cleland started on the left wing, Haley Bugea started on the right wing, and Claudia Ferrato played at striker. For Napoli, Alessandro Pistolesi made two changes to the squad he fielded against Lazio. He lined up in a 3-4-3 with Yolanda Aguirre in goal. Maria Wona started overhead in Corrado in the center of the back three, with Sedia Bramson to her left and Emily Garnier to her right. Surprisingly, Pistolesi left Di Marino on the bench. Sara Tui and Sofia Colombo started in the center of the midfield. Ariana Acuti played on the left side of the midfield and Kaya Ertzen played on the right side of the midfield. Eleonora Goldoni started on the left wing, Martina Tonioli started on the right wing, and Madalena Porcarelli started over Depichatsi Nicolao as striker. So with that, let's get to the match. The start of the match was actually quite sloppy. Both teams were missing their passes and playing the ball straight out to touch. There were even some late tackles. Ferrato caught Awona with a high boot on the thigh that remarkably wasn't called by the official. I was happy to see that Napoli were pressing high early on, especially Porcarelli, who was awarded with the start after scoring that late winner against Lazio. She was full of energy. It seemed like our game plan was to use the long ball. In the ninth minute, Colombo had a weak effort from outside the area, bounced harmlessly wide of the goal, and that play started with Sara Tui playing a long ball to Kaya on the right wing. A couple of minutes later, Napoli got the first real chance of the match for either side. The play started with Akuti playing an incisive pass to Tognolo in the center of the midfield. She dribbled around Mihashi with ease before firing a looping shot on target. The ball bounced just in front of the goal and was heading into the bottom corner, but Lemmy made a fantastic save to keep the ball out. That was a great shot by Tognolo, especially considering it was with her weaker right foot. Lemmy is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. She came into this match with four clean sheets in only eight matches, so she's averaging a clean sheet every other match. Neither side created many chances in the opening quarter of the match, but Napoli were certainly the more positive side. Sassuolo had their best chance of the half in the 25th minute. Cleland crossed the ball into the area from the left wing. Brignoli did really well to head the ball toward the near post, but Aguirre made an incredible reaction save. Prior to that, Sassuolo was really struggling to create chances. The only other shot they had was a weak effort by Cleland moments before, and Aguirre stopped that quite easily as well. 
From that point on, Sassuolo started to grow into the match, but we were still putting ourselves in good opportunities to shoot, it's just that the final product wasn't great. Both Goldoni and Akuti had attempts from dangerous areas, but Goldoni's shot was stopped easily by Lemmy, and Akuti's shot was blocked. It looked like neither side would score in the first half, but Sassuolo went ahead 5 minutes before the break. Abramson fouled Bujea on the right wing to concede a free kick. Parisi's cross was really poorly taken, but somehow the ball bounced past a number of players before hitting an unsuspecting Awona at the top of our own 6-yard box. The ball fell for Miyashi and she poked it to Bujea, who slotted her shot into the bottom corner to put Sassuolo ahead. That was really unfortunate because I thought we were actually the better side in the first half. Awona, Garni, and Abramson were really strong at the back. We caught Sassuolo offside at least three times in that first half alone. Napoli went right back to work at the start of the second half and nearly scored an equalizer. The play started with Kaya throwing the ball in on the right wing. Saratui squeezed the return pass between two Sassuolo players to free Kaya on the right side of the area. She tried to cut the ball back to Goldoni, but her pass was blocked by Dungis, but the ball ended up on target and Lemmy made the save. The ball rattled around in the area before falling for Porcarelli. The ball rattled around in the area before falling for Porcarelli, but her shot was blocked by Brignoli, and somehow Napoli were unable to score. Pistolesi made three changes in the 59th minute to try to stimulate the attack. He replaced Colombo with Melanie Kunrath, Tognolo with Evi Popedinova, and Porcarelli with Depi. These were similar changes to the ones Pistolesi made against Lazio, which surprised me because those three players he removed were playing really well in that match. And I thought they were playing really well in this one too, but obviously we won the Lazio match, so who am I to question the changes? Unfortunately, the changes didn't really work. Sassuolo had the next major chance of the match in the 66th minute. Abramson was dispossessed by Ferrato in our own half, and Sassuolo immediately countered. Substitute Sofia Cantore played a clever flick to return the ball to Ferrato, and she quickly played Dubkova through on the left side of the area. Dubkova only had Aguirre to beat, but Aguirre was quick off her line and made herself big and somehow made another fantastic save. Neither side created any notable chances until the third minute of stoppage time. With time running out, Aguirre played a long ball into the Sassuolo half. Depi did really well to flick her header onto Popadinova, who would have been clear on goal, but she was hacked down by Filtians. She was rightfully shown a straight red card, but that tackle could well have saved Sassuolo all three points. Nothing came of that free kick, and the match finished 1-0 for Sassuolo, but this was a respectable result against a top team, and it was a respectable performance as well. Sassuolo did not dominate this match by any stretch. In fact, I thought it was very competitive. That's why I was really shocked on Monday to read the club statement announcing that Pistolesi had been relieved of his responsibilities. In my opinion, this was a huge mistake for a number of reasons. First of all, if it wasn't for Pistolesi, we would not be playing in Serie A in the first place. Pistolesi took over for Giuseppe Marino last season after Napoli had collected only one point through our first 10 matches. The season is 22 matches long, so Pistolesi took over just before the midway point, and we finished the season with 14 points. That was good enough for 10th in the table, which was just outside of the relegation zone. Then we completely rebuilt our squad in the summer. We kept only 4 players from last season's team, so he basically had to start from scratch. We've started the season with only 7 points through 9 matches, which doesn't seem like much, but it's certainly understandable for a couple of reasons. One reason is the very fact that we built a new squad, and the players had to build chemistry and learn a new system that takes time. Another reason is that we had one of the most difficult schedules to start the season. 
We've already played all of the top teams in the league, which is basically the top half of the table. And while some of those games were blowouts, like against Inter and Roma, we were also competitive in others, like against Milan and in this Sassuolo match. Not to mention that we were completely screwed by the officials in at least two matches. We should have had a late penalty against Milan, which, if granted, would have likely changed the result from a loss to a draw. Then there was the crazy Sampdoria match, which I've talked about enough. I don't need to explain the horrible officiating in that one again. But if we don't get the bullshit red card to Di Marino, we might have won that match as well. Finally, the timing could not be any worse to make this decision. Our next two matches are against Empoli and Pomigliano, who are two of our direct competitors. Both of them are just above us in the table. We're on 7 points. Empoli are now on 8 points after drawing Sampdoria 2-2 and Pomigliano remained on 10 points after losing to Roma. Now, you could say the timing was spot on because we now have an international break. We don't play again until December 5th, so the players will have nearly three weeks to learn a new system. The problem is that some of our best players will be away on international duty. Kaya will be with Slovenia, Depi will be with Greece, Popadinova will be with Bulgaria, and Sola will be with Argentina, so none of them will be able to learn the new system ahead of the Empoli match. Credit to Pistolesi though, he took his dismissal very professionally, he posted on Instagram and he had nothing but good things to say about the club, and especially about the city. The new coaches were appointed on Tuesday, Giulia Domenichetti and Roberto Castorina were appointed as the new coaches, Domenichetti was a former player and coach for Florentia's San Gimignano, Castorina was Florentia's Primavera coach, he led the Primavera to a Final Four finish in the Scudetto race last season, so about a week after we hired the former Florentia general manager, we also hired their former coaches, and to me, that explains why we made such an abrupt decision with Pistolesi. I suspect that when we hired Zwingauer, there was a condition that he gets to pick the coaches as well, and if that's true, Pistolesi never stood a chance but rather a question of when, and the loss to Sassuolo was just the excuse to pull the trigger. So that's where we'll leave it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please share it with a friend and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Napoli Pod. I'll be back in a day or two to preview our big match against Inter, but until then... I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre! Sports Social Podcast Network.